0: I would like to direct your attention to our text for this series of Bible lessons. This text is found in Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then also I'd like to read uh, from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, or as the margin says, our confession. Now we are talking about right and wrong thinking, right and wrong believing, right and wrong confession. Now friends, the thing that makes a believer a success is right thinking right believing, and right confession. It's easy to say, I believe this. Yes, that is in my heart. However, the first thing we know, we are saying something else with our mouths. The word of faith must be in our mouths. Now, now you notice that Paul said here in Romans, the 10th chapter, and the 8th verse that we read a moment ago, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now, see, Paul said three things. First, he said what we preach is the word of faith. God's word, God's Bible, the New Testament is the word of faith. Second, he said that word of faith must be in your heart. And third, in your mouth to work for you. Now, a lot of times people believe God's word in their hearts, but that word is not in their mouth. They're talking something else. You know, it's amazing the faith very often that Christians have in the wrong things. Now, if they would take the same faith uh, that they have uh, in believing in wrong things and believe the right thing, they would go over the top. They would not need any more faith than they have already. People confess their lack and they build up a sense of lack in themselves. As they confess these things, these lacks gain ascendancy in their lives. But you see, friends, Jesus is our Lord. And if we will hold fast to the confession that he is our Lord, then he will gain ascendancy in our lives and put us on top of the success ladder. We shall never rise above our confessions. Now, if an individual does not believe in his heart, the confession of his lips will not work for him. The confession of Satan's ability to hinder us and to keep us from success gives Satan dominion over us. You remember Colossians 2.15 says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he, that's Jesus, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now, if Christ defeated the devil for us, and this text, Colossians 2.15, tells us he did, then why? Why? does the devil do so many things against us? Why does he dominate people? It's because the people let him. Many individuals think that God is responsible for all things that happen to them. And God is not responsible for any of them. They think it's up to God to do something about their troubles. But friends, it's up to the individual to do something. The work that Jesus did in carrying out the great plan of redemption in dying and being raised from the dead, defeating the adversary for us, that work was turned over to us and it's up to us to possess the land, so to speak. Now the Bible said in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and after he had made everything, he turned it over to Adam, his man. He told Adam, I give you dominion over all the work of my hand. Adam could do whatever he wanted to do with it. If he wanted to sell out to the devil, he could, and that's what he did. Humanity has been mystified by this act through the ages. They have said God knew what was going to happen, or why did God let the devil do that? People say these things because they do not know the Bible. The Bible plainly states God created the heaven and the earth, and he gave the dominion of all the work of his hands to man. He gave... Uh, us dominion over all things. Now, God was not responsible anymore. Man was responsible since God had given him that responsibility. You know, if I gave someone an automobile, I would not be able to help it if he bootlegged in it, would I? It would be up to the individual as to what he did with it because I'd given it to him. Therefore, the car is not my responsibility and the person could do as he chose with it. Now, have you ever noticed how different New Testament authors wrote to the churches and how every single one of them told us to do something about the devil? Not not to pray that God would do anything about the devil, but told us to do something about the devil? As we've said to you before, believers, Christians, should live in the epistles. The letters, those are the letters written to the churches. Now Peter said, Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, you know, Peter said that in 1 Peter 5, 8. Now, I've heard statements such as, The devil is after me. Pray for me that he'll not get me. Uh, pray that God will do something about the devil. Father, don't let uh, him get me. Jesus, rebuke the devil. Such praying as this does no good. One might as well uh, say, Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Peter said here in 1 Peter 5, 8, Your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. But Peter did not stop there. He went on to say, for us to do something about it. He said, Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Now you are the one that must do something about the devil. You have to resist him steadfast in the faith. Tell the devil, the word says, that Jesus defeated you. You are a defeated foe-devil. The New Testament says that you do not have any authority over me. This new covenant that God has established with man through the blood of Jesus Christ, for Christ, the Bible said, has become the surety of a better covenant. This new covenant says that you have no authority over me, but rather I have authority over you. Satan, leave me alone because you are defeated. Now, friends, that is making the right confession, and it will put you over Now, when a wrong confession is made, we give Satan dominion over us. Then James, you remember, in James 4, 7 said, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, James is writing to believers. He didn't say pray to God that God would resist the devil and cause him to flee from you or from us. He did not say to phone the pastor and have him pray that the devil will go away. Unless you resist the devil, he will not flee from you. I can resist him, and he will flee from me, but I cannot resist him for you. I can pray for people in faith, but if they maintain the wrong confession, it will do no good. It will nullify the effect of my prayer. Now, some are ignorant enough to believe that I can just pray a prayer of faith for them, whether they believe anything or not, and they will still get an answer no matter what they believe, and they think somebody else can do it. Now, this is foolish on their part, and it's contrary to the Word of God. Many claim to believe the New Testament, but actually do not. They are ignorant concerning the Word of God. They say, if you heal the sick as Jesus did, then why don't you heal everybody? Now, a man that says that Jesus healed all the sick is a liar. Because the Word of God plainly shows that Jesus did not heal all the sick. Unbelief kept Christ when he was on the earth from doing many things. Look in Mark, the 6th chapter, the 5th and 6th verses, if you doubt my word. And notice here what it said. Mark, chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. And he, Jesus, could do there in Nazareth no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. It went on to say, And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went about the villages teaching. Jesus could do no mighty work there. He could not. Now, why couldn't he? The Bible said it was because of unbelief. Sometimes we read in the Bible that all were healed. I mean, you know, in certain services. And sometimes I've had uh, everyone healed in my services. At other times, only a few healed. Now, the difference is in the faith or the unbelief of the individual. You can see this throughout Jesus' ministry. You know, Matthew thirteen fifty eight said, He did not many mighty works there in Nazareth because of their unbelief. Therefore, if unbelief hindered Christ from working while he was here on the earth, And if he is by the power of the Holy Spirit working through us, then unbelief will hinder him from working through us or working through the church. You see, it's our responsibility to act. Now Paul said in writing to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 4.27, Neither give place to the devil. Now what does it mean? It means that we should not give the devil any place in us. It means the devil cannot take a place in us unless we let him do it. When Christ arose from the dead, With all authority in heaven and on earth, he delegated the authority of earth to the church, the believer. And it's up to the believer to do something about what God has given us. It's not up to God. It's up to you and to me as believers to believe and act upon what we believe. Resist the devil and have the right confession so that you can maintain dominion over the devil. Now, if one's confession is not in line with the Word, then he glorifies the devil, and he fills his own heart with a spirit of fear and weakness. But if he boldly confesses God's Word, God's care, the Heavenly Father's protection, and declares that what he says in his Word is absolutely true, and that the new covenant is in force today, and that we have a high priest that is passed into the heavens and is in action today, then the believer can maintain a constant victory and keep the devil under our dominion just as Christ ordained it. Now, you see, when we believe God's Word and think in line with God's Word, believe God's Word and confess God's Word, it works for us. Then, for instance, when we declare that greater is he that's in us, or in you, than he that's in the world, and you know, uh 1 John the 4th chapter, the 4th verse said that greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that's within us than any force around about us. When we believe that, when we think in line with that word, when we believe that word, when we confess that word, then we will rise above all satanic influence. Satan will not be able to dominate us. This is the battleground on which we fight and determine whether we succeed or fail. When we confess doubts and fears, we are denying the grace and the ability of God. As a believer, one should never deal or confess doubts or fears, for doubts and fears are of the devil. The New Testament says, you know, uh, in 2 Timothy, I believe, 1-7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. You see, He has given us a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. Praise God. We are God's family. We are His children. Faith, love, and power belong to us. Now, instead of confessing our doubts and fears, confess faith, love, and power. Confess what the Word says, and faith will grow stronger. When weaknesses are confessed, our diseases, our sickness, we are openly confessing that God's Word is not true and that God has failed to make it good. But ask yourself the question, what does God say about sickness and disease? Well, He says, with His stripes you are healed. God's Word said, surely, in Isaiah 53, 4, surely He has borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. God's word said Matthew 8, 17, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. God's word said in Second Peter 2, 24, own self by our sins and his own body on the tree, that we be dead to sin and so live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Now see, instead of confessing that he bore my sicknesses and my disease, and that by his stripes I'm healed, oft times, we confess that we still have them and as long as we confess that we still have them we will still have them now one writer says in his book on the subject of healing your confession of disease and sickness is like signing for a package that the express company has brought the devil has your receipt for it you have accepted it as we said here's what happened Instead of confessing that he, Jesus, bore all sickness and disease and put them away, you are confessing that you still have them. Well, as long as you confess you have them, you will have them. And you need to realize that. God led me, however, or ever so slowly. uh, we, We respond to spiritual things even though God is leading us. And I know I was slow now. That's not God's fault, that's mine. You know, one almost has to bypass the brain and operate from the inner man, the heart of the spirit, to really get things or get into the things of God. Now, I know in my own individual experience, I had two serious organic heart troubles. The doctor said that uh, uh, this could mean my death. I had a body that uh, wasted away and become partly paralyzed. They took blood from my finger to get a blood count. My blood was the color of a pale orange. One of the doctors told me the white corpuscles had eaten up the red ones until it was medically impossible to build them up. I could drink a glass of cold water, uh, and uh, it it would seem to spread out over the left side of my chest and eventually go to my stomach. I asked one of the doctors, What what does that mean? What causes that? Well, he said, You're undeveloped through your chest, son. He said, Not only is your heart deformed, but he said, In a normal person's chest, some tubes should be closed, some should be open." But in my chest, he said they were all open, that uh, they were a deformity. He said there was no operation they couldn't correct, in those days at least, this deformity, no medicine, or anything else could help. Only God, said the doctor. Thus I had no chance of ever getting well except through the mercy of God. Now, as I read, I tell folks very often, Grandma's old Methodist Bible, and I read, not call it Methodist Bible, though at this time Grandma belonged to another church, yet she often told me about being saved in an old-fashioned Methodist camp meeting back in Tennessee. Well, I found out as I read that word of God, that God had something to say about my sickness and my disease. The word of God tells me, by whose stripes you were healed, 1 Peter 2.24. But there I was, still with the heart condition, and having these attacks all along, the lower part of my body partially paralyzed. I was bedfast for 15 and a half or 16 months. Well, Don't you think for a minute that I did not pray and had not prayed? Because I prayed all night long, one night, and many nights practically all night long. I'd prayed hours and hours. And I'm not minimizing prayer. But, friends, it takes more than prayer to get the job done. You say, what do you mean more than prayer? It takes believing prayer. You see, our trouble is that we do a great deal of praying without believing or acting on what we believe. And it does not accomplish anything. There's no place in the Bible where Jesus or anyone else said that just prayer would get the job done. Now, we need to know that, friends. But what did Jesus say? Well, he said, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Jesus said, what things are you ask in prayer? Believing ye shall receive. Christians will say, I'll tell you, I really believe in prayer. Well, now, that doesn't mean a thing in the world. You can go to Tibet. And there you will see a religion that's older than Christianity. The priest sets there and turns a prayer wheel. The people pray constantly. One priest puts in several hours, and then another priest takes his place, and another and so on. Now he's turning the prayer wheel and praying to his God. Of course, he's really not praying to our God at all. He's praying, forgive us our sins for the things which we have done, we ought not to have done, and the things which we should have done, we've not done. Well, he's interceding for the people of his religion. Now, if you ask that priest if he believed in prayer, he would tell you there's no religion in the world that believes in prayer as much as he does. But his religion is not setting men free from bondage. It's not getting the job done. We can take our next example, the Muslims. There are literally millions of them who will at certain times each day turn their face towards Mecca, fall to the floor or to the ground, and pray to Mohammed. Yes, they believe in prayer. In Italy, there's a certain place in which people are throwing money to get someone to pray for them. Some are kissing the feet of saints while trying to get them to pray for them. One particular shrine has its toes worn off from people kissing it. Yes, they believe in prayer. Again, I want to say I am positively not saying that we should not pray. I'm saying that prayer is not all there is to it. If you believe what the Word says then you must act upon it. Pray, then forget about it, and begin to conduct yourself as if the answer came the minute you pray. It takes more than prayer, friends. It takes believing prayer to get the job done. I remember this, that one minister, a number of years ago, a denominational minister, pastor of a large church in the state of California, went to a meeting where an evangelist was praying for the sick and holding a healing meeting, as they called it. Now, this leader of this large church went to the meeting to gather material to preach against it, actually. See, some members of his congregation were claiming that they were healed. One man in his church who was crippled had uh, gone to the meeting, and God had healed him and delivered him from habits. Well, this... uh, minister was working one day in his rose garden. He heard someone coming down the sidewalk singing. It was this old Swede of his congregation walking as straight as anyone could walk. The man said, hallelujah the Lord's healed me. Well, this pastor said, sure enough. Well, you certainly look all right." The old gentleman added, I'll tell you something else. He's filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I'm speaking in tongues and I've got deliverance from habits that have bound me. Well, now the pastor said to himself, that poor fellow's not too bright anyway. They've just misled him. However, so many kept going to this meeting and returning with good reports that that this minister couldn't resist any longer. He decided he'd better take a first-hand view of this meeting and get his members back on the right track, as he said. He he planned a sermon for the coming Sunday night, and uh, he called it Divine Healing Bubble Exploded. In other words, he was going to explode this and expose this divine healing preacher and minister. And uh, it, this ad was going to appear in the paper on uh, Saturday for his Sunday service. But during the first part of the week, the minister went to the town nearby where the meeting was in progress. And he planned to stay there for several services. Well, the first service he said he attended, well, he listened to the minister preach and he thought, well, it's all right. I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, the next night he went to the service and he, he saw a minister that he recognized and and that he had known in another city where he pastored. And this minister said to him, Come, go, go on the platform. And all the preachers posted on the platform. Well, he didn't want to do that, but anyway, he reluctantly went with him. Now, he said that the evangelist preached again. And he said, I never heard a better sermon preached in my life than the one that was preached that night. And then the evangelist asked that all who wanted to be saved to stand to the feet. And this pastor of of this large dominational church stood to their feet. Well, this minister friend by his side uh, began to tug at his coattail and tell him to sit down as he had apparently misunderstood the evangelist. Uh, the evangelist was calling for those who wanted to be saved. And uh, this minister said, No, I, I heard right. i just come to realize that I've never been saved. Though he was educated, though he's pastored, and, and pastored for a number of years, preached a number of years. And that very night, he was saved and then filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, instead of exploding divine healing, he got exposed to God's Word and it, uh, it made a difference in his life. And then not only that, but he went back to his church and exposed it. No, not exploded it, but exposed the truth to them and began to preach and pray for the sick in his own church. And many were healed. You see, friends, The thing that defeats us a lot of times is that we don't listen to what God's Word has to say on the subject. This man, even though he was a minister, did not know what God's Word had to say on the subject. When he went where the Word of God was preached, then his eyes were opened and he saw the truth of it. Like one minister friend said on one occasion, he told of visiting in a hospital uh, a friend, and there he learned that this friend had cancer. Well, while he was there, the doctors and the nurses came in and began working with her. And he stepped out of the room to get out of their way. Now, shortly after, the doctor came out and told, told the minister that he'd be glad, uh, that he was glad he was there and for him to pray for the woman, that it soothed her and comforted her, and that she had to die. Well, the minister replied, "I'm not trying to soothe her. I'm going to rebuke that filthy disease in the name of Jesus. I believe God'll heal her." Well, that doctor was taken quite aback, but the minister said, that uh, he did just that very thing, rebuked that disease, commanded to leave her. And 20 years later, that individual was still healed. Too many people think that prayer is only uh, for soothing a person, so to speak. And that's all that some people receive is just a soothing effect. But you know, my friends, prayer is for believing and receiving for for God. Not just to find uh, a momentary uh, help or soothing, so to speak. You see, Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four that what things serve you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. See, believe and receive. I remember I held a meeting several years ago in North Central Texas, and a lady attending told me that uh, a short time before I came for the meeting, she had entered a hospital to have a tumor removed. The doctors had said they felt like maybe she'd waited too long, and they couldn't assure her of success, but they felt like they should go ahead and try to remove this tumor. Well, now, while she was in the hospital, she knew nothing about divine healing and having faith along this line. But a little full gospel nurse told her that God would heal her. The nurse and her pastor, the nurse's pastor, prayed for the woman. God healed her. The doctors were unable, never operated on her, but they were unable to find any trace of the tumor. It it disappeared. Well, the woman, when she went back home, began attending uh, a full gospel church. Now, she had been going to church, been going to a church that taught that healing and tongues and miracles and these things that are real had been done away with after the time of the apostles. And uh, her mother-in-law and all her relatives attended a church in which she had been reared. They thought, you see, that she was just going, as they say, off the deep end, getting confused. And her own mother told her that, uh, that she just happened to get well at that time, that God was not healing in this day. As a matter of fact, her mother informed her, I've been a member of my church for 40 years, and I've never had a prayer answered yet, and I know that you certainly did not. The woman asked her mother, Well, what in the world are you praying for? Well, many people are just praying, that's all. They never get an answer. I know in my own experience, as I said to you about my own testimony of healing, uh, my physical condition when I was bedfast a number of years ago, I was beyond all human help. I believed in prayer. Yet I made no progress at all. I, I, I didn't get an answer. I decided there had to be something wrong somewhere, and I knew it was not on God's part. I knew that I had to make the change for God never changes. So I asked the Lord, Lord, what's wrong? There's something wrong somewhere. I'm not making contact. I'm not receiving. God showed me by His Holy Spirit, through the Word, what was wrong? You know, Jesus said to the disciples that he, speaking of the Holy Ghost, would bring to their remembrance the things which he, Jesus, had taught them. And that the Holy Spirit would take the things and reveal them or show them to the disciples. Well, thank God he showed them to me. I saw that I had to believe that I received my healing. When you pray, believe that you receive. Now, my natural mind mine really rebelled against that. It shouted against it, so to speak. You see, one can make as much noise with his mind as he can with his hands and the feet. We should try to be still sometimes and listen to the Spirit. My mind kept saying, you're crazy, you're crazy. Nevertheless, I said, no, I see it, I see it exactly. Here's why I've not received my healing. I'm still confessing I have my heart trouble. I'm still confessing I'm paralyzed. I can feel how my heart acts. I'm still confessing that I'm sick. But His Word says I'm healed. God's word says that he did something with the sickness and disease. I'm holding on to the sickness, and as long as I hold on to it, I'm going to have it. I have to turn loose of the sickness. I have to start confessing that what he says is so. I am taking the testimony of God's word instead of what my senses tell me. Now, you see, our five senses are seeing, smelling, touching, hearing, and tasting. What I need to do is to take the testimony of God's word instead of the testimony of my five senses. God's word says I'm healed. Now, I just kept telling the devil that. And brother, sister, don't you think you won't have a fight? The Bible said for us to fight the good fight of faith. And you need not think that you will have just a flower bed of ease. Oh, no. God did not say that you would. He said, fight, the good fight of faith. He said, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. His word says, hold fast that which thou hast. His word said, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Now, all such terms as these denote some strenuous effort put forth on our part. For we wrestle. Well, to wrestle means to put forth from some strenuous effort. Wrestle, the Bible said, Ephesians six twelve: For we, as believers, as the church, wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wrestling, as I said, denotes strenuous effort put forth. That is not strenuous physical effort, such as wrestling with a man, but it's in the spiritual realm. It is spiritual wrestling. These verses denote in the spiritual realm that there has to be a resisting and effort put forth and exercised. I know because I've been there. Hold fast! It said, your confession. Our text said, hold fast your confession. Hold fast. Do not just hold loosely or half-heartedly, but hold fast. Hold hard, in other words, to your confession. Well, I held fast to mine. I said, no, devil, the Bible says I'm healed. And, uh, and friends, that's exactly what you'll have to do, is hold fast your confession. I stopped holding to the confession of my physical senses and held to what God's Word said. Now that's the thing that put me over. And it will put you over. Let's get used to acting on the Word. The Word will heal you if you will put it into practice. The Scripture says, He sent His Word and healed them. Then I'd like to refer you to Proverbs, the fourth chapter. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22. It says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Now suppose you went to a doctor who gave you a prescription. You had it filled. Then you placed the medicine on the shelf after you got home and just sat there and looked at it, but you would not take it. Well, it certainly would not help you and you couldn't expect it to. You would have to act on the doctor's orders and take the medicine. Not only that, but in order for it to work correctly, you would have to take it according to his directions. You cannot be like the fellow who got some medicine for his baby. On the bottle it said, shake well before using. Well, the story goes, he picked up the baby and shook it. Well, that's not taking it according to directions. You have to take it according to directions. God's word will heal you if you'll go according to his direction. For my word, he said, "Are health to all their flesh and what are the directions well they're given to us here attend to my words incline thine ear to my sayings let them not depart from thine eyes keep them in the midst of thine heart what will happen then their health to all their flesh let's get soaked with the word of god until we are so word conscious that every time we turn around we're thinking about the word of god and what it says while others are talking about everything else we should keep on talking about what the Word says. The Word says He will meet our every need. God's Word says He has healed me. You see, your right thinking, and your right believing, and your right confession will become a reality. And then you will get whatever you need from God. So act on His Word today. Notice again carefully, here in Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22, it says, My son... Attend to my words. Put my words first, in other words, he said. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Listen to what I've got to say. Let them, my words, not depart from before thine eyes. Look at what my word is saying to you, He said, Keep my word. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Keep God's word in your heart. Meditate on God's word on the inside of you. On the bed at night time, think upon what he says. For they, they are my words. What about them? Are life unto those that find them. What else? And health, my words, are health, God's word said, to all their flesh. Now the margin of my Bible reads that the Hebrew said, my words are medicine to all their flesh. Does God have a medicine? Oh yes. What is God's medicine? His word. Are you taking His medicine? His word? How do you take it? Attend to His words. Incline your ear to His sayings. Let them not depart before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. That's a prescription for taking God's medicine, which is His Word. What will happen if you'll do that? My words are medicine and health to all of their flesh. So you see, think in line with God's Word. Believe in line with God's Word. Confess and talk in line with God's Word, and it'll work for you. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagin Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484. Or visit our website at www.rayma.org. Or write Kenneth Hagan Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagan Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.